Have a nice day. Well, some years later, I found out that that man did come up with an idea for a T-shirt. He made a lot of money off of it. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. So happy to be joined right now by Tim Quidadamo, who is the director of Woo Sox Productions with the Worcester Red Sox, known to friends as the Woo Sox. First of all, Tim, how did I do pronouncing Worcester? I think you did a lot better than even some of the locals here. I grew up just down the street from the new ballpark, Polar Park here in downtown, and that was great. The amount of Worcesters we get is unbelievable. Oh, so Worcester. No. Sounded awesome. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. But we're not going to say Worcester again because we have it's the it's the Woo Sox. That's the the sort of casual name for it. And it, it gives me an out because I have already said on this podcast that I'm not interested in featuring teams who are named for their parent clubs because there's essentially yep. no story there. But the Woo Sox have a great story. And the the in particular, the story behind the visual brand is just is so much fun. So I understand that that you are a, a native of Worcester. So mm -hmm. first of all, I, I would just, you know, I would just ask you the question. You you work for the team, but also you're a native of the city. Did you have a knowledge of the origin of Harvey Ball's smiley face? And maybe if you would, maybe if you could share with the listeners the story of Harvey Ball's smiley face. Yeah, definitely. I grew up having a, a smile day in my elementary school, middle school, all the time where kids would wear these pins with a smiley face on it. And for those that don't know, the smiley face, the yellow circle with the crooked smile and eyes, two slightly different sizes, um, was created here in Worcester. So it was actually, Harvey Ball was hired uh, to kind of bridge the tension between an insurance company merger, uh, what's now the Hanover Group, here, located here in Worcester. Um, they just had a big merger. People were walking around the halls. They weren't really getting to know each other as well as they wanted to. And they tried to come up with a way to make it known that employees wanted to meet each other and they wanted to talk to each other and get to know each other a little bit better. And Harvey Ball came up with the idea, what if everybody wore a pin on their lapel that was just a smiley face. And maybe as you're walking through the hallways, it would brighten up somebody's day and encourage conversation a little bit more. And that's how the smiley face pin was born. Uh, so if you see our mascot smiley ball on social media or at the ballpark, a lot of people ask, what is that on his back? And it's an homage to the safety pin that people would have to put through their lapel or their blouse, whatever it might be, uh, to put it on their shirt and make sure that people knew they wanted to get to know each other. So you actually grew up then with the smiley face as part of sort of this culture of being raised in Worcester. Yeah, I always thought it was just common knowledge. I remember watching Forrest Gump for the first time and just being like, Forrest Gump didn't invent the smiley face. It was Harvey Ball. <laughs> but apparently a lot of people think Forrest did. Well, you know that I had a Forrest Gump question lined up for you there, right? Like I was I was going to, because that's the first thing you think of when you see the smiley face now is not Harvey Ball, but Forrest Gump. So, uh, so was there outrage in Worcester then when that happened? No, I think everybody just like me knew it was a movie taking a creative okay. liberty. And I think we were all surprised that, wait a minute, so many people bought that this Hollywood character invented yeah. the smiley face. No, it was Harvey. <laughs> so I'll... 
you know, as as a native of the city, you know, it was obviously a fairly big deal when the the Paw Sox, the Pawtucket Red Sox, moved and became the Worcester Red Sox. How was that for the city of Worcester to sort of gain this team? Not necessarily at the expense, because you know, teams move all the time. But Red Sox fans had been with the Paw Sox for a long time, and then you know they had that sort of fun like bear-based logo, and then they move, you know, that that franchise moves, and now it's in Worcester. So how, as as a Red Sox fan, as a and someone who knew the Paw Sox for a long time, and a native of Worcester, how did that feel mm-hmm. to you having that team sort of move into your city? It was extremely serendipitous. So at the time that the team was considering a move, I was actually a student at Emerson College, and I had a class taught by Dr. Charles Steinberg, where he would explain sort of um, some of the politics behind it and some of the social issues behind it and how complicated of a situation it actually is to move a team because it's not just moving a sports franchise and building a ballpark. There's so much more that goes into it. And I would always be that one kid that said, just moved to Worcester, just moved to Worcester because it's such a baseball town. I grew up playing here my whole life and Worcester, for those who don't know, Worcester, Massachusetts is about halfway um, between the New York border and Boston, Massachusetts. So if you lived out in Western Mass, you would have to drive maybe three hours to go see a Red Sox game. And that's your hometown team, or at least what you would consider your hometown team. So when the team moved to Worcester, that cut a lot of Massachusetts Red Sox fans commute in half because now they can come to Polar Park and see the stars of tomorrow. Or last year, we saw Chris Sale on a rehab assignment uh, right in downtown Worcester. So it's been incredible to see the way that the city has responded to uh, the team moving into downtown. Uh, I remember driving by this area and it was always an abandoned parking lot my whole life. And to see how snug this beautiful ballpark fit. Larry Lucchino and Janet Marie Smith did such an amazing job where it really feels like a major league ballpark. But Worcester is the second biggest city in New England. And even then it kind of feels like a small town the way everybody knows each other. Everybody wants to meet up, grab a drink, go see a ball game. So walking around the ballpark here as a native has been fantastic catching up with some old friends yeah yeah what a great opportunity for you right and obviously for the for the city there you mentioned the Red Sox and the history uh, of certain players with that city you know when I wrote about the the new brand for sportslogos.net the two names who came up what and just I mean I guess we should back up a little bit here it's an audio medium about logos i get that right like i'm doing an audio <laughs> podcast about a visual medium i understand that it's uh, it comes with its certain challenges but uh one of those is describing the logos so the the logo is based on and i'm going to talk to jason klein about the the sort of specifics of you know what brandios did with this but in general it's a it's the smiley face character that harvey yeah. ball created and he is wearing red socks red socks and he's got a red cap and there's a couple of different ones where he's in poses where he is swinging and he's swinging yeah. a, he's swinging a baseball bat with that, the W with the heart in it. And we'll talk about the heart here in a second, but the two players who, who were named in this article as being sort of the inspiration for these poses that they're in. Can you talk about the relationship that Ted Williams and big poppy David Ortiz have to, to Worcester? Yeah. Definitely. So Ted Williams actually hit his first ever home run as a Red Sox player 
in a scrimmage game at the College of the Holy Cross, which is about a five-minute drive from where the ballpark stands now. Uh, so that's a not very well-known fact about Ted Williams. Obviously, it doesn't go in the record books because it was just a scrimmage, but the first home run he hit with the Red Sox uniform on was right here in downtown Worcester. Uh, so we wanted to carry on that legacy, and with Smiley Ball is the name of our mascot, as we were working with Brandios to come up with the logo, we wanted him uh, to, we wanted to pay an homage to Ted Williams and another prolific left-handed hitter in more recent Red Sox history, David Ortiz. So the pose of Smiley Ball, he is a left-handed hitter because both of those guys, obviously lefties. Uh, the pose of Smiley Ball is somewhere in between David Ortiz's swing finish and Ted Williams. <laughs> that's yeah that's awesome there were eight decades that separated ted williams hitting his first home run in that exhibition game and then you know more than 80 years later here's big poppy in a video he was that he was ortiz was the featured speaker in a video that the team played during the august 2018 announcement that the team would be moving so mm -hmm. here are those two those two separated by eight decades and then they're sort of combined in this this pose that smiley ball is striking in on his follow through there so obviously a lot of details in the logo that are really fun one of them is if you look at the what i think they called the team called the heart w is there's a yep. there's a sort of w that has a sort of red Sox script feeling about it but in the middle of that w there's a little flare there's a little heart can you talk about where that heart comes from yeah so like as i said earlier Worcester's halfway between the western um, border with New York and the city of Boston right on the east coast in the harbor. Uh, and it's referred to as the heart of the Commonwealth. So every street sign in Worcester has this big red heart on it. The Worcester city seal has a heart in the middle surrounded by laurels on the outside. Um, and we wanted to pay an homage to the heart of the Commonwealth. It's such a romantic um, moniker for a city. and Obviously, it's hard not to be romantic about baseball, and we thought it was such a great fit. We wanted to embrace that, and the Heart W was born. And another thing that's important to note about the Heart W is it doesn't have the same sort of um, beveling as the traditional Red Sox font that you see on the B. And we do have a Red Sox font W that we call the classic W uh, that we also have on merchandise and hats, and the players will wear on field. Uh, but the Heart W is a little more smooth and um, rounded on the edges and has these little hats almost on the taller parts on either side of the W. And the rest of the W, other than the heart in the middle, was actually loosely based off of the Worcester Wisters, which was a National League team in, I believe, the 1880s here in Worcester. Um, so I think they were only around for a couple of seasons. And then once they were, uh, or once they left the National League, it actually made room for the Philadelphia Phillies, who obviously are currently still in the National League. Barely. I mean, we're working on it. I'm a <laughs> Phillies fan, so it's, you know, we... <laughs> There are there are a ton of details in this logo that I absolutely love. The, uh, like you said, that, that, that heart W is part of a larger sort of font. And I, you know, this is, I'll get into this with, with Jason, but there's a sort of scripty Worcester font there in addition to the, the classic, you know, Red Sox font. So you guys, you know, you have your bases covered there as it were with uh, the, the unique 
to Worcester brand and then also you know the the one that plays up the the Red Sox connection. So I know I know I put you on the spot with some of these these questions about the details. I knew you would know the answer to them, so I don't I don't feel too bad about that. But I want to ask you also about this really fun Copa de la Diversión. And I always throw out just like Copa brand, like everyone knows exactly what that is. But just to to make sure that I'm you know that folks know what we're talking about, the Copa de la Diversión is a program that minor league baseball implemented five years ago, where certain teams have sort of created Spanish language brands to broaden the appeal of minor league baseball to Spanish speaking fans. And the Woo Sox did a really fun one, which is basically Los Huepas. Okay. And so it's basically just an expression. It's like the, it's like the Spanish language woohoo, essentially. Can you talk about sort of where that, that brand idea came from and, you know, what did, uh, you know, how it's been received? Yeah, one of the uh, pillars of our organization as a whole is the Woo Sox Foundation. Uh, and just in general, the Worcester Red Sox, we love being ingrained in our community. Uh, there's a large Latin population in Worcester. It's a very diverse city. It's amazing to see people from all different backgrounds that come to the ballpark every single day. And uh, in some of our fan plan meetings before we moved officially to Worcester, uh, we wanted to meet with members of all of these different communities and get their thoughts on everything, on what concessions we should have at the ballpark, what the ballpark layout should look like, what they like in a concourse and bathrooms in the DCU club area. We wanted to hear it all. If the fans wanted it, if enough fans wanted it, we wanted to implement it. And when we were meeting with the Latin community here in Worcester, we brought up uh, the COPA initiative that minor league baseball does. And we were saying we were uh, Los Osos Polares in Pawtucket mm-hmm. because we were the Paw Sox. Our mascot was a polar bear. And that means polar bears in Spanish. And we wanted a new identity because polar bears, although we do play in Polar Park, we didn't want to just recycle an old logo and uh, Copa initiative from Pawtucket. And I believe it was Danny Velasquez, uh, Worcester native, born and raised came up with Los Huepas and explained that Huepa is just an expression of extreme happiness and excitement. And he gave the example of if someone hits a grand slam, you might jump out of your seat and yell Huepa. And we thought that was a really cool thing. We thought we could have a lot of fun with it. And then uh, internally, we met with Brooke Cooper, our executive vice president, of marketing, uh, Courtney Caparelli, who's our graphic artist, uh, and Alex Richardson, who works in our community relations department, all had a huge hand in just what we thought a general idea for the Wayfoss logo could be. Awesome. Well, that's great. And, for, and thank you for naming your in-house graphic designer, because it's something I, I try to do on this podcast is actually give a name to the, the you know, so many teams have the, the in-house designer, and it's just like, yep created by the team it's like no there was a human being who did that so one thing i want to add about the wayfoss logo is we have a lot of firework themes to it um and that's an homage to robert goddard who i think just a couple days or a couple weeks ago um in march i think it was 16th uh was the anniversary of flying the first um liquid fueled rocket in the history of mankind that happened in Auburn, Massachusetts, which is a surrounding town of Worcester. So we wanted to 
pay a little homage to Robert Goddard too, who's the founding father of modern rocketry. That is a fantastic detail about that logo. So, and I thank you for, for dropping that in there uh, because that's, that's a great detail to add to that for sure. Yeah. I have to say that the, the Woo Sox have done an excellent job. I have a, a, a collection of ice cream helmets out in the basement behind me here. I kind of think this Los Huepas logo would look really good on a helmet Sunday. So I'm just uh, going to register a vote for that here while we're talking. If, uh, you know, if there's anyone you can pass that message along to. So yeah, I'll run it up the ladder for sure. <laughs> there you go. A Los Huepas helmet Sunday would be great. So awesome. Well, at the time of this recording, you guys are getting ready for the season. This will actually go up. You'll be into the season by a couple of weeks when this goes up. So I know that you're really excited for it. I hopefully and knock on wood, as I say this out loud, you know, hopefully we're, we're getting to a point where we can sort of think about a, uh, you know, post COVID world and actually like have fans in mm -hmm. without, you know, you know, having to do too much in terms of the, you know, all the safety precautions and everything. And so we hopefully we're through that to a point now where we can just look with unfettered excitement at the upcoming season. So I'll just say, yeah. you know, good luck. On the upcoming season, I know that you host the Woosox podcast. Can you tell folks where to find that? Yeah, the Woosox Insider Podcast. You can find that on the Worcester Red Sox YouTube, or we're also on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or if you go on our Facebook page, there are links to all of our episodes there. And then obviously the Woosox themselves are easy to find. Just look for Woosox on any of the platforms, but where can people find you specifically? Oh, people can find me specifically in the control room here at Polar Park. So I'm usually <laughs> having a hand in directing uh, the in-ballpark entertainment for any given game day. Um, but if you go to woosocks.com and go to our front office page, uh, my email is listed on there. So if you need to get in touch with me, have any ideas of uh, some fun elements you'd like to implement at Polar Park, shoot me an email. You can follow me on Twitter at tquitty, T-Q-U-I-T-Y. Ask me any questions there. I love being a part of just general Red Sox Twitter too. Because again, I grew up 45 minutes away from Boston right here in Worcester. I'm a diehard Sox fan first and foremost. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we've got Jason Klein from Brandios coming up next. And we're going to delve into the details of this, uh, this logo. So Tim, have a great season. And thanks for coming on and talking baseball with me. Thanks very much, Paul. We got to get you out to Polar Park this year. Oh, 100%. And I'm going to have one each of all the different Helmet Sundays that exist there. I think there's like three. Of, I, I've got three of them in the collection here already. That's awesome. Welcome back, everyone. I, once again, so, so thrilled to be speaking with one of my favorite podcast guests. Every time, Jason, every time you come on, everyone says how much fun you are to listen to you talking about all these. <laughs> We're back. Things. We made it. Jason Klein, friend of the podcast, friend of me, friend of baseball by design, designer yeah. extraordinaire from Brandios, here to talk about the the Worcester Red Sox. The Woo Sox. As you know, Jason, I have sort of a, a, a philosophical difference with teams being named for their parent club. I don't think the Worcester Red Sox are named for their parent club. I think the Woo Sox is its own identity here. So yes, yes, absolutely. I can't wait to get into like the behind the scenes and oh, it's gonna be a fun one. Let's do that. So, so we've talked a little bit about this all, already with uh, Tim Quidadamo here, but I always want to get into to, to the, the boots on the ground work that you did, how it came yeah. to pass that you ended up with a smiley face, the Worcester heart, all of that stuff. So let's get into it. How did you, first of all, 
how did how did you guys end up doing a, a smiley face logo for a triple a baseball team yeah great great question and we had a, a relationship with the paw Sox. so the team used to be uh triple a red Sox used to be in Pawtucket. And uh, McCoy Stadium, I think, was it literally built in a swamp uh, in Pawtucket and was sort of sinking. And it was just like, this is not a long term viability. And it, over the years, there's been conversations about, you know, would it be going to Providence, um, Rhode Island to be the pro Sox um, or would it be uh, going somewhere else? And so this idea of like sort of the prefix Sox was something that came along from uh, the Pawtucket team, you know, the Paw Sox, the Pro Sox. And then when we're going to Worcester, it was like, well, you know, might be the Woo Sox. And early on, you know, we were trying to think about exactly what you were talking about, which is this, how do you make this his own thing that it didn't feel like, um, you know, like it didn't feel like it was, it's uh, I just sort of a, you know, secondary uh, name that's referenced the parent club. And so we thought a lot about, um, what that would look like. And we went to uh, Worcester, spent time being honorary citizens. Um, and we ate some incredible hot dogs. I forget the place was, but the you know, famous <laughs> hot dog place uh, in town. And it was amazing. It was a great time. Uh, obviously, the smiley face was invented in Worcester. So that became uh, ultimately where the, the identity went. But, um, you know, the, uh, you know, being the heart of the Commonwealth was a theme. So, you know, the idea of a heart being a part of it was really cool. We also liked the idea of, of love and sports and passion. So we knew that that was going to be a part of it. Um, but early on, we were trying to figure out like, what, what is a woo socks? Like, what is it? Um, and one of the first ideas that we had was an owl um, that, you know, that you would hoot, hoot, hoot of for the course. home team. Um, and that the, it would be the woo, the woo socks, like the, you know, <laughs> so there would be, um, you know, so early concepts that we explored was the idea that maybe it was an owl, um, you know, that the, the t you know, the, uh, in Pawtucket, they have a mascot, which is a bear paw and it has a red sock on the bear paw. So we had ideas that were talons with, um, you know, with socks on them, you know, eggs uh, was, was part of it. So we were really like this idea of hoot, hoot, hoot for the home team. Um, <laughs> and so that was, uh, you know, was some stuff we explored early on. And one of the things that was really important um, to ownership was they wanted to feel like a Red Sox identity um, that always was, but never was right mm -hmm. so um the idea of you know how do we create a font that feels like it was a red Sox font but um never was um and part of that was doing a script because i think um i don't think there's a lot of script uh heritage as i recollect in the red Sox brand and so right. they had this idea of well red Sox have this block 1800s font um like what if we did a script 1800s font like what would that look like um and so uh you know that was um early on was developing the you know a script um and really you know um making it feel red Sox. and then from the wooster nod the wooster being the heart of the commonwealth the w on the cap has a heart in the loop uh so that's a reference and then you know minor league fun we were like man how do we tie this back and you know the smiley face became kept coming up and so swing and smiley um became our character and we had a you know the smiley face that everybody knows i enforced gump uh you know it's been iconic for years uh and it's got red socks on it and there's a couple of different versions and early on um you know we just had a swing and smiley face and then 
we thought, you know what, let's put it in a Ted Williams pose because uh, Ted Williams had such an iconic um, swing. And so there was a couple versions of Ted Williams. And, you know, so we dialed it in. Is it this swing? Is it this version? Is it, you know, where is it in the follow through? Um, and so the, the smiley face that is today became the, the Ted Williams version of the, uh, of the smiley face. And, uh, and that, that became the Woo Sox brand. I remember when we talked about this, that you, you talked about the original smiley face that was created in Worcester in the, yeah. in the sixties by Harvey ball. Uh, right. And I know that the team met with Charles ball, uh, his son, who's a, a lawyer in Worcester right now. And, and I'll actually speak with him later on in this episode. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm very excited for it actually. <laughs> but one of the things uh, that I, that I remember we talked about one of the little details that I really love is that in the original smiley face, one of the eyes was slightly larger than the other. And yes. you guys captured that with, with swing and smiley here. And, and so that, that sort of detail, that attention to, you know, one of the things that was specific to the original smiley face, the version that was, that was created in Worcester, not one of the billions of versions, yeah, not the Forrest Gump version for sure is, is really par- particular to the people in Worcester. And, and they noticed that, right? Like that, that's a very particular detail. Yeah, and it's kind of funny too because you know the it's there's there's an awkwardness to it um, because it does it doesn't graphically it feels off right with one eye is bigger and so I I believe you know I'm sort of I'm like doing like live research as we're talking here I believe we positioned the head we rotated the head so that the perspective would make it feel less weird even though one eye is actually bigger you are correct right. Right. So yeah, I just, anyways, you know. yeah. But, but I love this. I love, you know, the, the challenge was make it feel like the Red Sox embrace. Uh, so we got, you know, the Red Sox script versus the Red Sox block, um, bring the heart of the Commonwealth in, which we did through the heart W um, make it feel like Red Sox. So we've got, you know, Red Sox on smiley and then smiley being the, the you know, the minor league fun of the character um, and, and iconic and representative of, of Worcester. Absolutely. Well, and so that's the smiley face. And, you know, I think that I, I have to say, like, I think it's just, it feels so minor league baseball to me, right? Like the swinging smiley face logo just is, is so much fun, but also, you know, the connection that you made and you referenced this earlier, the heart that Worcester is the heart of Massachusetts, heart of the Commonwealth and that heart, you know, there's a heart featured in the, in the city seal. And so obviously the iconography of, of a heart for Worcester is important there. And so it's, you know, that, that W logo for, for people, I know that Brandy always, always likes to come up with, you know, if, if you don't like the one logo, but you're going to love this other logo instead, right? Like, so for the people who don't, you know, want to have the smiley face brand, I have a friend, Jeremy, who's a Red Sox fan, and he's not into the smiley face as much. I love the smiley face, but he loves the W Heart logo, right? So he's got Worcester gear with the W Heart logo on it there. Yeah. And, and to your point, not every fan is going to love every mark. Uh, so when someone says, oh, I'm never, I'm just not going to wear a smiley face, right? That's just not who I am. We want to create something that rhymes with the Red Sox that still opens up that conversation. Because the, the point of a, of a great cap and a top selling cap is you want a design that's going to open up a conversation. And I've, I've said before, as kids, we're always told uh, when we're young, if it has to be explained, it's a bad whatever, right? Now, um, you know, with the internet, with the way social works is, is you want it to open up a conversation, which, which creates insiders and outsiders, right? So if I see this W and it feels like a Red Sox 
W and I'm like, wait a second, like, is that a Red Sox team? And all of a sudden I go up and I'm like, Hey, that hat, is that a minor league team? Or what, what is, what is that? Is that a Red Sox hat? Like, Oh, it's the Worcester team. The Worcester Woo Sox. There were Red Sox triple A affiliate. And now there's a five minute advertisement for the Woo Sox. So you really want every cap design to open up a loop. And yes, it's, you know, obviously you can open up loops with characters and, and, you know, the smiley face that opens up like, what team is that? I see a smiley face. Is that like, that's the iconic smiley face, but it's got red socks on it. There must be a red socks connection. Tell me about that. Yep. Also, you can do that even with letters, which is, Hey, that like heart that feel like there's like the W the script that feels like a red sock. It looks like a red socks hat, but it's got a heart in it. Like, what can you tell me about it? If you're not into goofy minor league baseball fun and you just want something classic and traditional, we still want to give that opportunity for your cap to open up a conversation. Well, you know that I love these conversations, right? It's the whole point of the Baseball by Design podcast. And so, Jason, I love when you stop by and, and talk about the work that you've done. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brandios and, and everything you've done for minor league baseball. And I've enjoyed every appearance so far and look forward to having you on again. Thanks for coming by to talk about uh, the Woo Sox. Can't wait. Can't wait. And, and, you know, at the end of every conversation, I always say, where can people find you? People can find you just by searching Brandios. Brandios is on all the socials, the brand synergy that you guys have. Of course, it's what you do. So it's Brandios everywhere online. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm super excited to be talking right now with someone who I have followed for a long time on Twitter. I'm a big fan of Gabrielle Starr's work. Gabrielle, first of all, Gabrielle is the editor for Fansided of That Ball's Out of Here, which is a great name for a website because it's a reference to Harry Callis, who I grew up listening to uh, as the announcer for the Phillies. So, so Gabrielle covers and edits the website about the Phillies, also covers the Padres, edits the Fansided website for the Padres, and is also notably, if you follow Gabrielle on Twitter, you know that Gabrielle is a huge Red Sox fan. And, and I happen to know, the, actually, the very first evidence that I saw that an ice cream helmet with the Woo Sox logo existed was a photo that Gabrielle posted on Twitter. So so I appreciated that confirmation. Gabrielle, thank you so much for uh, getting up early and talking to me for the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man. Well, like I said, I've been following you for a long time on Twitter, and I'm, I'm a fan of your work. And the whole purpose of this podcast, the whole sort of thing that I do is that I try to tell the story of local communities where minor league baseball teams play. I know you've been to a couple of Woo Sox games. So I'll just ask you, as a Red Sox fan and a person who's been to some Woo Sox games, what do you make of the reaction that Red Sox Nation, as it were, had to the Woo Sox brand? Well, you know, I will say I'm actually credentialed for Woo Sox games and I do some work with them. So I have to just kind of put that little disclaimer out there. There's a little bit of, um, it's not even an employer bias. It's just, I, I seriously love them. The Woo Sox coming to be um, is both an amazing kind of full circle moment for baseball. I'm not sure if you know this, but before the Philadelphia Phillies, Phillies existed, the national team was in Worcester and they were called the Worcester Worcesters. And apparently in the 1880s, we were really creative about naming our baseball teams. So <laughs> there were the Worcester Worcesters. And I believe they actually were the team that ratted out the Cincinnati Reds for having alcohol at their Sunday baseball games, which apparently was forbidden. Um, and both teams got disbanded. Um, I'm a little shaky on these details. I wrote about this actually last summer, last spring for the inaugural Woo Sox opening day. But the point being, 
there was baseball in Worcester, National League baseball in Worcester, you know, 150 years ago. And then it went away and in their place became the Philadelphia Quakers slash Phillies. Um, so it's kind of been a long time coming. Also, the Worcester baseball team was the first to play, I believe it was in Cuba. They went on an exhibition trip to Cuba. So there was also this kind of very full circle moment because last year, Louis Tiant came and he, of course, is a Cuban baseball legend. And he came and he was one of the people who threw out a first pitch at the inaugural opening day. They played professional games in Cuba in 1879. So not Louis Tiant. Um, that would be even cooler. But <laughs> that no. would be a record. Um, yeah. So that, That's some amazing history though, right yeah. there for baseball at Worcester. That's incredible. I, I'm actually, it's funny that you would bring up the story about the beer. I'm reading the book right now, The Summer of Beer and Whiskey, which is about like the National League and the American Association and like how beer and whiskey essentially saved baseball in the late 1800s. So it's funny that you would tell that story right now. That's, I mean, it's so the, the Worcester Worcesters, um, who I would like to think back in the day were called the Woo Woos, but probably not because it was 1879. <laughs> they they were very unpopular. Um, in 1882, they had one game where they only had six fans recorded in attendance. Um, so like making the Marlins look really good by comparison <laughs> and the race. But yes, so first of all, Philadelphia Phillies fans have Worcester, Massachusetts to thank for um, being so bad at having baseball that they lost baseball and were given to the Phillies. But the, the Woo Sox also, it was kind of controversial because I'm sure you know that originally they were the Paw Sox for a very, very long time. And people were very sad about them leaving Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, but ultimately, as with many things in baseball, it came down to money because Massachusetts government gave them a lot of money to build a new ballpark here. And while I loved McCoy, the ballpark in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, it was very outdated and um, Rhode Island was not going to give them what Massachusetts, they weren't going to, so to speak, play ball. So they came here and I, I will say the smiley ball. I love, I, I love, I have so many smiley ball. I have the cap. I have a sweatshirt. I have a t-shirt. Um, I have earrings that have smiley faces on them that aren't woo socks earrings, but I wear them to woo socks games for obvious reasons. And then they also have in the W heart because Worcester is known as the heart of the, of the Commonwealth. Um, they really put a lot of thought into both embracing the city in this new team, the new version of the team. And they really, you know, kind of involved fans with this idea, you know, they were, they were kind of asking people, um, you know, there were lots of different options. Um, there was also, I think they were going to call them at one point, the dirt dogs, um, kind of like a Dustin Pedroia style gritty, um, player, um, the green bananas because unripened fruit, not quite ready for Fenway park. Like there were all these very cute, um, Worcester has the nickname Wormtown. Um, not because of actual worms, but because the train, when the trains come through and they say Worcester Mass um, with the Boston accents, it kind of sounds like worm. <laughs> so there was like worm. So there were like the worm, the wicked, I think it was the wicked worms. Cause you know, there's that 
wicked pissa whatever yeah so there were a lot of names um and they kind of had like a bracket and they involved fans in the discussion and i thought that was really really great so technically they are the worcester red sox but they're also the woo sox um they also have an amazing like for the minor league baseball spanish team names thing yeah, that the they Copa. do so they have the they're the Los Huepas and yeah. also they do home every Friday of the home stands. They do fireworks after the games, which is really fun. So yeah, it's just a really amazing, amazing thing to have them in Worcester and just the ballpark is amazing. Um, and I just really, you know, the minor leagues are so much more intimate and fun and family oriented and affordable and lovely. And um, obviously I'm not including the pay or the treatment of the actual minor leaguers, but um, you know, in terms of fan experience, I can't recommend it highly enough. Well, and that, you know, those issues that you're talking about are things that I've seen you advocate for on, on Twitter as well. And, and so that's, yeah, obviously that's, that's a big deal and, and they're getting a little bit better at it. The uh, yeah, that Copa identity with Los Huepas is, uh, is totally fun. I love the, the whole Copa program. You know, one of the questions I was going to ask you was basically sort of what your reaction was to it. And it sounds like you're, you're a fan of it. I'm a fan of it too. I was not familiar with the story of, of Harvey Ball, the marketing executive who created the, the smiley face. Is that something that, that is prominent there in the Worcester community? Is that something that, that is well known as part of the history of that town to the locals? So, you know, until the last year or so, I actually hadn't spent a lot of time in Worcester, but I will say, and I'm not, so I'm not sure if this is like, because the Woo Sox are there now or because of Harvey Ball, I know that it's like a very well-known thing in Worcester. Like it's a source of pride that the smiley face was invented there, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure like kind of chicken and egg, you know, if the smileys are all over, it's obviously if you know the logo, it's very easy to tell the difference between just like a normal smiley face and smiley, smiley ball, uh, mm-hmm. full name, smiley ball, smiley ball, you know, with his little bat and his cap and very cute. This, the bat has the W with the heart in it. So you actually got the logo in the logo, like very, you know, kind of inceptiony or I don't know. I was going to say inception. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. where I was going. <laughs> I, um, I don't really remember that movie enough to be like, you know, so yes, uh, I know people here will be like, yeah, the, the smiley, the smiley face was invented here, but I think it obviously has become kind of come more prominent as the Woo Sox have, you know, come here. Obviously they were building the ballpark for a few years and then they were kind of soft launching the team look before mm-hmm. opening day. And of course, opening day last year was delayed by a month because of the pandemic and minor league season being canceled the year before. So there's like all of these different layers to it, but smiley ball, you will see a lot in Worcester because the Woo Sox really embrace the community. The community really embraces them. Like you, when you walk around Worcester, you'll see people wearing Woo Sox caps and Woo Sox like t-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, and also because they're a minor league team, you know, they're not exactly getting the lucrative corporate sponsorships that a major league team would get, you know, they're not getting the hundred million dollars in TV money. Um, but they do, I will say, um, they have a ton of community partnerships. They are very much a part of the Worcester community. Um, they very much have a relationship with the city and it's local businesses. They have a ton of, of, um, 
events and commercials and advertisements around the ballpark that are supporting local businesses. And I think that that's amazing, especially after, you know, the hit that the economy has taken in the pandemic, the fact that they are so committed to not just being in Worcester, but really kind of enriching the city and, and helping the city grow um, and become, you know, more of what it can be is really, really great. You know, they're, they're, the city is really experiencing a lot of turnover construction. People are moving here, um, new apartments, it's getting safer, um, really kind of changing the reputation of the city uh, for the better. So I, I mean, I can't say enough good things about what Larry Lucchino and Dr. Charles Steinberg are doing with the Woosocks and, you know, what, what they're doing for the city of Worcester. It's really amazing. Well, and this is one of the things I love about minor league baseball. I mean, I think more than than any other professional sport, minor league baseball teams are part of their communities, um, you know, just at, at a really deep level. And so so I love to hear you say that because that's, you know, that's what I think minor league baseball is best at in in a lot of ways. Gabrielle, I have kept you longer than I intended to. I certainly kept oh, you longer okay. than I said I was going to. But I definitely wanted to ask you about this, too. Would you tell me about the girl at the game, which you founded? Yeah, of course. Um, so like I said, I mean, I'm a third generation Red Sox fan. I grew up right by Fenway Park. Um, you know, when they have concerts there, I could hear them from my bedroom window at my parents' house. And it's just a huge part of my life. My dad is a historian. And when I was a kid, my bedtime story options is also a rabbi. So my bedtime story options were either like a Jewish, like a Torah story or a baseball story. And I went to Jewish school all day. So I usually would pick a baseball story and he'd tell me about Ted Williams and Babe Ruth. And, um, I would do book reports in school about Jackie Robinson and, um, begged my parents to take me to Ebbets field. They told me it was gone. I cried. It was a whole thing. Um, so they took me to see the apartments with the plaque instead. It was um, quite, quite anticlimactic. <laughs> um, I have family members who are baseball fans of all different teams. My uncle Dennis is a diehard Brooklyn Dodgers fan who now makes a pilgrimage to LA every year to see the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I have my grandmother was a New York Giants fan with her two brothers who then became um, Yankees and Phillies fans. They kind of split the difference. Makes no sense. Um, <laughs> family friends who are Mets fans. Like I, you know, so I grew up in a very baseball kind of community and grew up, my mom, my mom's law firm had Red Sox season tickets. So I grew up sitting in the same seats every single year. And actually um, she emailed me the other day and was like, Hey, we got to pick which, which games we want to go to with the firm seats. And I looked and I said, these aren't the seats. And she said, yeah, they're different seats this year. And I, it felt like my childhood was, I mean, I'm tw I'll be 29 in June, so I really shouldn't be complaining, but <laughs> felt like, it felt like a piece of my childhood. Like it doesn't seem right. You know, I sat in those seats since I was like two, three years old. So um, it's going to be very weird to sit with my parents and not sit in those seats. Yeah. Um, and so a few years ago, well, not, it's not even a few years ago anymore. It's like five, I think this is this year's five years. Um, I, I had no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, I had had a couple different kinds of jobs since I had graduated from college. Um, I'd worked for Tesla. I was working at a tech startup doing um, like marketing and there were like things that I, you know, it was fine, but I just kind of felt like, like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and actually 
uh, the president of the Woo Sox, Dr. Charles Steinberg, who is an MLB legend. He was EVP of the Red Sox under Larry Lucchino um, for a very long time, helped design the Be Strong logo for the 2013 very special Boston Strong season. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to my synagogue. I've known him since I was a little girl, uh, and he would always wear his World Series rings to synagogue and let all the little kids try them on. And, you know, every few years he'd get, there'd be another ring. So at our synagogue's 100th anniversary gala, I was 23 or 24. Um, and I went up to him and I said, you know, Dr. Charles, I'm sure you don't remember me, but, uh, you know, I was one of the kids you used to let try on your rings. And we just started talking about baseball. Um, and we just realized we were very kindred spirits. And he's you know, friendly with my father and some of my dad's friends. And, um, he just kind of encouraged me to turn like my feelings about baseball into writing. And so after opening day, 2017, I, which was of course the first opening day without David Ortiz since 2002, um, I wrote something and I just sent it to him basically as a thank you, uh, for encouraging me. And he wrote back and he said, you're a sports writer now. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of how everything got started. And I really just wanted a place where I could write about how I felt about baseball. Um, because I didn't really see a lot of places where, you know, a person who didn't go to school to be a sports writer, um, I majored in American history, like a person who just cared about sports and wanted to write about how they were feeling could just do that. Like there was no place where you could just kind of do that for fun. Like I wasn't looking to make money out of it or anything, but the site grew, you know, I made, made a website on a whim and, um, started writing and started tweeting and it just kind of exploded and <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Awesome. And there's never, there's nothing else that I could think about doing with my life. Like once it kind of started, it was like that piece of the puzzle, you know, just kind of locked into place and the picture was very clear. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's a great, I, I, I follow that site as well. And you know, the, the, the tagline is great sports by women for everyone. So it's, uh, you know, I appreciate that backstory. That's really cool. It gives it even more sort of significance to, to following that now. So thank you. So Gabrielle, thank you for, for, staying with me longer than I asked you to. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the, the, the great stories that you have here. Where can people follow you and your various outlets? Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a pleasure. I always love getting to talk <laughs> minor leagues and AAA Worcester. It's just, and I can't recommend it enough. Like if you're a Sox fan and you live in Massachusetts or the Massachusetts area, the parking's cheap, tickets are affordable you can sit on the lawn in the outfield and watch the game on a, on a blanket in the warm sun food's great. Um, and you're supporting, you're supporting the teams that deserve the support the most, which is the minor leagues. Um, so that's just my push. Like you can get the tickets. Like I took my dad to the last game of last season and I didn't want to ask for tickets, um, which Dr. Charles got really mad. He's like, why didn't you just ask him? But I wanted to pay the most expensive ticket in the ballpark was $40. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, well, and that's and like, I, that's like, you can't get that at Fenway Park if you're not a student. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I talk a lot about, you know, when I talk about minor league baseball, I talk about how it's, you can be a fan of minor league baseball and a fan of major league baseball. And, and they're two completely different experiences, two different ways to appreciate the game because in major league baseball, for me, I get emotionally involved. I care who wins. I, the, the individual players, I, I, I get mad if they screw up, I, you know, if they, if they're you know, Ryan Howard swinging at the same low and away slider every single time in through 2009 to 2014, whatever, like you get, you get emotionally involved a minor league game. It's cheap. It's 
it's just the experience, right? Like, and it doesn't ruin your day if they lose. <laughs> and you can just sit there and enjoy a game and the experience and just sort of soak it all in as a fan of, of baseball sort of aesthetically. So absolutely hundred percent. I, you know, I love, I love you advocating for the, uh, the, the minor leagues like that, because I, I feel the same way. So, uh, but anyway, the, the question was, where oh, yeah, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm like promoting the minor leagues, instead, um, <laughs> which is how it should be. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at GF star with two R's one um, girl at the game is exactly how it sounds. It's all one word, no spaces or anything girl at the game. Um, and then, you know, all my writing and everything is like in the links in my, my bio and everything. Um, and if you like pictures of pugs with toy baseballs um i'm on instagram with my dog uh i'm at starry night 64 and you can see my my dog who is way more adorable and interesting than anything i actually post other than her so well pugs are great <laughs> plugging I mean, plugging ruby and stuff. <laughs> that's perfect gabrielle thank you so much i really appreciate it and uh, I, i'm looking forward to following you during the baseball season and and following your coverage of my Phillies in particular, and and I hope that you're right that this year is going to be the one. Thank you, Gabrielle. I appreciate it. Bye, Paul. Take care. All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is a very special treat right now in this episode. I'm very happy to be joined right now by Charlie Ball, who is an attorney in Worcester, Massachusetts. And Charlie Ball has a very special claim to fame. It was Charlie's father, Harvey Ball, who essentially invented the smiley face. And this is such a great part of the, the Woo Sox brand. This story is such a, a great part of the Woo Sox brand. So first of all, Charlie, thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your morning to join me. Thanks for having me. Can you, can you tell us the story as you understood it growing up, how your father invented the smiley face? Sure. My, it, it, smiley was created when I was about 10 years uh, old. My dad was a commercial artist in Worcester. He was, he was self-employed and he had been doing some work for a, a local uh, company. It was actually the, the national headquarters of State Mutual Life Assurance Company of America. And he would do some work for them occasionally. And uh, so uh, his contact at State Mutual called him up one day and, and said, um, Harv, we, you know, we want to start a uh, morale campaign here. They've been having some difficulties at the company because they were growing like crazy. They were merging and acquiring and there was some unhappiness there at headquarters. So, so they talked about it. She said, we're just looking for something, you know, pretty simple, something you can, you can put on a button and, 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 you know, and, and wear around, you know, so, <laughs> so uh, it, it really was that easy. I think my dad thought for about one minute, and and just you know draws the draws the smiley face and uh colors it yellow because that was kind of intuitive to him you know and uh you know put in a put you know and apparently that this woman uh said well okay you know and he puts in a smile and uh, then he puts in two dots for eyes she says well maybe, maybe just the smile you know without the eyes and he said no 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 it's just, you can turn a smile upside down. You don't, you don't <laughs> right. want to run that. You don't want to run that risk. So somebody was born and, uh, and it, as they say, it was an in-house morale campaign, but so they printed up a limited number of, of smiley face buttons 
they um, distributed them uh, throughout the company. And of course they had a network of agents around the country and somehow they got out there to the agents, the agents were, went nuts over them. They said, oh, I gotta get, you know, send me, send me, send me because I gotta get these to my clients. Um, so they were printing up tens or hundreds of thousands of these things, you know, in, in a fairly short period of time. Um, and, you know, I guess the, the rest is a little bit of history. It, it made its way around the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it surprised my dad quite a bit because um, for him, listen, I'm just a guy who gets up every day and goes to work. I, I got to get on to my next project. So Right. I, you know, I think one of the things that happens with graphic design, and that's my background is graphic design, is that the best graphic design in some ways is so simple that people can't believe it wasn't there all along, right? Yeah, and so, sure. you know, like the I Heart New York, you know, was created by Milton Glaser and people thought, well, someone needed to create that. And it's like some of the best graphic design in the world, uh, you know, so it's, it's such as become, you know, just ex expansive in, in, in the influence that it's had. Do you find yourself having almost to defend this story? Like, yes, someone had to invent the smiley face and yes, it was my father. Well, uh, it, uh... I, I don't have to defend it too often or too or too hard, you know. Uh, the the credit for for authorship uh, seems to be pretty well established around the world at this point. But occasionally, yeah, somebody pops up, raises their hand, and says, "Oh, come on, you know, there was a smiley face in in cave paintings in France." And, right. You know, go oh, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, but you know. Uh, they say, well, it's so simple. How could it have been before? Well, it wasn't. That's the point. It wasn't. It wasn't until Hardy Bowl put pen to paper. So this is then, I, you know, it must have, you say your father was surprised that, that it had the, you know, the reach that it had after he created it. Obviously, he would have been surprised when the Worcester Red Sox came to him and said, we've got this brand and we want to base it on the, the, the smiley face that your father invented. Can you well? Can you tell me about that experience? What was it like for you when the team came to you and said, "Okay, this is we want to build a brand for a baseball team around your father's smiley face"? Well, yeah, I was thrilled actually. Um, I mean, Smiley is is clearly well known in Worcester as is Hardy Ball, and it's identified in Worcester. And um, I have a one of my very good friends is uh, Bill Wallace, who's uh, director of the Worcester Historical Museum. And he's a huge smiley, all things smiley. He loves it. And he promotes it. He says, this is Worcester. You, know, you can't, what, you know, how many cities or towns can, can claim this? You know, this Worcester has to be identified with this. So when uh, the Woosocks came to town, uh, mainly in the person of Dr. Charles Steinberg, who's the president, uh, he and Bill and I, uh, met up at Worcester Historical Museum and we chatted for you know quite a long time and Charles brought some ideas for uh, a, a, a logo or a mascot you know and um, it, it, the point is first yeah of course the, the, he was asking for you know my permission or the Bull family permission that that was easy and what, what impressed me was well first he asked for permission but second um, the, the drawings that, that he brought, that, mm -hmm. that his folks had done, mm -hmm. uh, were really detailed, you know, and he got the original smiley face just right. You know, there, 
hordes of smiley faces out there. You know, there's a Walmart smiley face, and it's it's completely symmetrical. Um, and 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 uh, Harvey's smiley face was not. You know, he had the round face, but one eye is bigger than the other. The smile itself, I mean, it's it's there. You know, but and maybe it says different things to different people. I've always thought it was not a not a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed smile, but kind of a hopeful smile. That, that's what I always saw in it anyway. So it was very important to the Red Sox, the Worcester Red Sox, the Woo Sox, to get that detail right. It was, it was a wonderful thing, you know, that the organization itself was really interested in using it and interested in getting it right. And, that and is... That I really like that that detail that you mentioned with the eyes being slightly different sizes and uh, the the graphic design firm that that worked with the team is called Brandios and and they do they just do such good work so I'm glad to hear that that was something that they brought to you that that you you know appreciated uh, with their attention to detail on that because I think I agree that that's a, a really important detail of that logo and then to take Smiley Ball and you know position him in such a way that his swing looked like Ted Williams or Big Poppy, right? And so Yes. Ted Williams, David Ortiz. He's he's showing me, he says, now do you recognize the stance? He said, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've been a Red Sox fan all my life, you know. So um yeah, very, very inventive, very creative. Um and uh you know it's worked. I mean the Woo Sox are a huge hit. Uh, here in Worcester and, and, you know, the greater Worcester area. And they have uh, made a huge commitment to the community. I mean, these guys are everywhere. So yeah. you've gotten a chance to get out to a ballpark then? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. It, this is a beautiful ballpark. It's on my list. I have not been to it yet. I'm, I'm, I'm daydreaming about someday getting there and having the, the ice cream helmet with the smiley ball <laughs> logo on it while I'm watching a game. <laughs> in Worcester. <laughs> Charlie Ball, thank you so much for, for taking a moment out of your morning to talk to me and share the story of your father, Harvey Ball, and the, and the artwork that he created that has led to this really fun brand in minor league baseball. It's such a, it's such a fun story, and I, I thank you very much for joining me. 